Welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Marianne Rose. You are about to embark on a relevant and timely journey of thought with registered psychologist, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. Thank you for tuning in and expect to be enlightened right now. Hey there, Cyrus. Hey, Marianne. Good to see you. Good to see you too. We're in person. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. We're just about at Christmas. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It's getting here, hey? Well, it doesn't feel like it because mm. here in Manitoba, this time of year, we're mm-hmm. at the end of November mm-hmm. and there's usually snow. Yeah. There's no snow right now. I know. And it's my wife's birthday. And normally, she loves to have snow, and she's always afraid every year that there will be no snow, and there always is. And this year, there's no No. snow. It's like just warm and, you know, Winnipeg warm, and no snow. So it's different this year. This is odd. It is so odd. And this is a good segue. Mm. We're having a conversation about weather. Mm -hmm. This is your typical kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's about the weather. Everybody can talk about that. Mm -hmm. It's light. Yeah. And it's a good icebreaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking about how the weather is. Mm -hmm. But conversations themselves... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. How mm. to have a conversation? Uh, have, you know, it's interesting. There's <laughs> lots of times when I've had to push myself to be able to explain the things that we see in everyday life, and you know, small talk is one of them. People who come in who've got social challenges of various kinds will say, "I don't like small talk. What is small talk? What does it mean?" Or conversation in general, and even beyond. But there's many people who struggle with these basic things and knowing how to do them and what to do but there's a real purpose to them they're important and there's a logic to them as well like for small talk usually it's about being able to identify common interests in a way that doesn't feel too threatening or invasive so you can kind of just talk about like oh yeah yesterday I went fishing and then the other person can decide Mm -hmm. do they like fishing and if they say no I don't really like fishing they can say oh That's interesting. Yesterday I watched the football game and then they can see, oh, oh, do they like football? And then every once in a while I get this kind of, oh, football, I like football. You know, I would have loved to have watched it. I was sorry I was fishing. And then all of a sudden you can talk about football for a while and then you realize maybe you want to be friends or maybe you want to talk more to each other. But if you don't and you're like, oh, okay, I like fishing, you like football. And it's like, okay, well, we'll see you later. And all of a sudden nobody had to say anything negative and there was a way that people can find out if they like each other or if they want to pursue more in their relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of logic to a lot of these things that might seem kind of odd or pointless, but they're important. Mm-hmm. Finding commonalities mm-hmm. is a good conversation mm-hmm. starter. Mm-hmm. And even throughout a relationship, mm-hmm. you can find out mm-hmm. when you have things in common and when you don't. Mm-hmm. And If you have a steady, ongoing relationship, people change, too. Mm -hmm. Their interests Mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. Their character can even start Mm -hmm. to change based on what they're allowing to influence them. Mm -hmm. And then how does that show up in the relationship? Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that it's so important in relationships to not assume that you know a person. I think that it can be easy, and obviously you can claim to know people more than others, but you're right, people are always changing. And so sometimes it's like, well, we don't have anything to talk about anymore, or I don't know what to ask about. I've asked all of the questions. And usually the answer that I would have to that is, well, now you can start at the beginning and ask them all again. You know, they're 
probably different, and that can be kind of scary, but it's also a wonderful thing. And knowing these details about each other is really connected with liking and romantic relationships. It's connected with love. And so some of these things that, again, don't seem connected to what would make you love a person are, you know, just knowing who they are and what they like and understanding how they see the world. These are things that help us to feel loved and to love. And perspectives change Mm. when major events happen. Mm. Like in Mm. our lives, in my life with my husband, we've been married. We just celebrated a couple days ago, 31 Mm. years. Mm. Happy anniversary. congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, big numbers, hey? Very important. Mm -hmm. But we just had a major life change with Mm. his papa passing. Mm -hmm. And so that has changed him a little bit and so his perspectives Mm -hmm. how he's evaluating things and Mm -hmm. just life and I'm noticing it and I do feel like a little bit scared Mm -hmm. because it's like oh now this is an unknown but I know that I have to guard myself from feeling threatened just because it's new and unknown and uncomfortable Mm. doesn't mean it's going to you know be utterly devastating to Mm -hmm. the future of our relationship Mm -hmm. I have to guard from that. Mm-hmm. I have to be like, okay, this is a change. Oh, there's a shift. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is different. Oh, that's new. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's growing a new perspective. Mm-hmm. How is this challenging him? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some of it is hard. Mm-hmm. And I just need to step back. And I think that that's a huge importance in relationship is to be able to step back and say, okay, I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have yet to learn how this is all affecting him. Mm-hmm. This may be an unraveling of a journey of things mm-hmm. of getting to know him now for the next, could mm-hmm. be a couple of years, mm-hmm. before I've learned new things that this created in him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I just feel like it's too much or threatened or anything like that, then I am missing out on learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, one of the places where I see this in my life is so I'm a psychologist and I supervise clinicians so I meet with them most of my clinicians I meet with fairly regularly you know once a month or something like that or once every two weeks in order to supervise them and help them with their cases but as a manager as the director of the clinic you know I don't always see them and I'll talk to them about how they feel about working here or about how they see their future with the practice and I'll often just set that in my mind as like okay that's the way they feel But it's been interesting because I've made more of a practice of meeting with people regularly to talk about more managerial type things. So you kind of get these intervals of like a year and I talk to them again and I'm like, wow, you're feeling really different. You know, you can see the change Mm -hmm. in how people process things, how they see themselves in their profession, how they see themselves in relation to the business, how they see themselves in relation to other businesses in the city or ways of thinking about their practice. And it's like, wow, it's really shifted. And having that year-long interval, it's kind of like not seeing your grandkids for a year and they've grown so much. You see how people really do shift. Sometimes we don't notice it as much when we're seeing people every day or when you're in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. But it can be very dramatic. Yeah. And does it shift your perspective to deal with shock? Mm -hmm. When you experience that and it's just like, oh, jarring because Mm -hmm. I had this idea. Yeah. It's like, how now are you? Mm, mm-hmm. Are you shocked and uncomfortable mm. to the point where it's like, well, that's changed. <laughs> so now I don't like. And it's like, uh, that's yeah. the shift I'm looking for. And, mm-hmm. and again, like bridging the gap, right? This is part of what we're doing. 
is how can we, mm-hmm. instead of be mm-hmm. uncomfortable, be like, mm-hmm. oh, Welcome surprising, mm-hmm. new. And that is a feeling that I've had. Like, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how you've changed. I don't want to hear bad news. I don't want to hear that, you know, you're feeling like you need to move on from the business or something like that. You know, even when people don't think you're attached, you're attached, you know, and it could be threatening. And so that is a challenging thing to talk to people and find out who they are. And it can be scary to hear something that might be shocking, something that might be upsetting, something that might be different. Um, And I think that we can do that in all kinds of relationships where we just, we don't want to know. And... Somehow, if I don't ask, it doesn't exist. You know, you hear people sometimes like, why don't you want to go see the doctor? Well, they might find something wrong, you know? And it's like, oh, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. If I don't see it, if I don't hear it, it's not real. So, yeah, there's a challenge there when you hear something to be welcoming and flexible. And often that comes to trusting, you know, like, I'm okay. You know, things are going to be okay, even if they're not, or even if there's bad news because um, it might mean a change is mm, happening to you mm-hmm, because yes. the relationship yeah. something is happening to mm-hmm, them yeah. they may be changing mm-hmm. everything everything <laughs> yeah and, and it's like wait a second yeah. you want what mm-hmm. you want to change yeah you want to go mm-hmm. you want to whatever it is that they need to do welcoming mm-hmm. instead of feeling like you said mm-hmm. it's scary okay mm-hmm. it's scary mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. we can deal with scary that's a feeling sure threatening mm-hmm. what does that create right defensiveness usually mm-hmm. because it's like i don't want to feel mm-hmm. this way now we're talking about people sharing major life mm-hmm. events maybe changes maybe shifts in their thinking to the point where it feels disruptful to what's going on, what's normal, Mm. this isn't normal, we're shifting, you know, we need to get creative. Mm. Mm -hmm. Ouch! (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, yeah. You have to kind of have a bit of faith in in something, you know, either, you know, some people have faith in themselves, sometimes people have faith in God, you know, like, that they can manage, that they're going to be okay, that they're still lovable, that they're still competent. In my example here, that the business will survive, that somebody else will want to work and that you can find that person you know like so it takes courage and maybe that's a very important underlying theme here is that like it takes courage to have a conversation mm-hmm. and if you're afraid of what the other person might say or that it might be different from you or that it's going to result in something negative that fear can take over and i think that there are situations where conversations aren't a good idea but those are obviously much more rare and most of the time when we're afraid of a conversation it's actually not helpful and it's better to have bravery for that yeah courage to speak Mm -hmm. i was mentioning a common phrase i'd heard years ago that silence is golden Mm. but sometimes it's yellow Mm. and that refers to it being cowardice Mm -hmm. and that courage on the other hand comes from a sense that you can be bold, but then Mm. we're going into something where it's like, okay, you need to Mm -hmm. have some trust here Mm. and trust in yourself and the Mm. ability that's somewhere in there Mm -hmm. to not desiccate Mm. the ground there that Mm -hmm. is between you for this relationship Mm -hmm. because that's what the threat is, Mm. that it's going to be damaging. Mm -hmm. And so where does that courage come from? It comes from the trust that you have the Mm -hmm. capacity Mm -hmm. 
but then what capacity? Mm. What is it? Mm. How do you have that trust? And so mm-hmm. here's where I feel like the core of that part of the message is mm-hmm. that it's because you care. Mm-hmm. You want there to be peace. Mm-hmm. You want there to be safety. Mm. Safety's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And helping people to learn to trust. I mean, this is kind of how you can get people to share. If you want people to engage in a conversation, usually what you want to focus on is trust. You know, if you were to talk to an investigator, a negotiator, somebody who interrogates people, a modern day person who maybe in the past would have been a torturer, somebody who would go and like try to get information. Almost all of these things, even when you're dealing with an enemy and you don't care about that person, you're just trying to get information, even in those situations where there's kind of legalized hate and legalized force, people will, to get good information, to be able to create an actual dialogue, you start with trust. And if you talk to people in those situations, like an interrogator, they'll say, well, you go in and you know you don't break out the torture equipment. You try to build a relationship with that person. You try to build trust. So in all of these conversations, oftentimes people try to go to solutions first. They try to go to telling people what the decisions are and just informing. All of these kinds of situations, it's usually best to start with safety, to start mm-hmm. with creating a feeling of trust and warmth in the environment first before you get to those other things. Oh, that's incredible that you used the example of an enemy mm. because that's often what we can do even in our closest mm. relationships. Mm. People that we love and we care about, we can see them mm-hmm. as the enemy. Mm-hmm. So the feeling of safety mm-hmm. means that somehow mm-hmm. we don't feel like our words coming out of our own mm-hmm. mouths are going to be destructive mm-hmm. or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is guarded but is not possible Mm -hmm. to completely evade Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would like to say that it is but there isn't a relationship where it's not and so Mm -hmm. how are you going to handle it Mm -hmm. when those feelings come Mm -hmm. up like Mm -hmm. there's just like oh Mm -hmm. these words I used words oh no you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's hard I mean if you're dealing with shock if you're dealing with these you know terrible situations if you're dealing with somebody you perceive as an enemy and it's personal Yes, it's so hard to Mm -hmm. actually create safety. And that takes a lot of understanding what you're going for. It's like, I want to create safety. That would be a first step. It's like actually making that as a goal. You know, even if you're dealing with somebody who's really hurt you and you're just angry, it's usually a good idea to try to understand it as best you can. You know, you can always create boundaries. You can always create distance if you need to. But it's good to start with like, tell me what happened. And if you understand that, to start with that safety then that's the first thing, to actually know what you're going for. And then the second one would be to begin to develop almost all emotional change starts with awareness. It's like, what are you feeling in that moment? And to really be able to feel your body, feel your mind, feel yourself in that situation and give yourself some compassion would be a next step to kind of like, oh, that makes sense that I'm activated and that I don't feel safe. And that's coming out as maybe anger or fear or desire to distance. And then you have to go from there but those would be those first steps in the process yeah the awareness of your own feelings Mm -hmm. is something that you can step back in but if it's happening in the moment in the conversation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it takes wisdom to be able to just stop and say, oh, mm-hmm. I'm noticing you're mm-hmm. seeming defensive right now. Right. Am I coming across as threatening? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to analyze this a little mm-hmm. bit in the moment, like mm-hmm. while it's happening. Can you stop yourself and guard the relationship? Like, it's mm. like, okay, this is way too important to me. You're way too important to me. Mm. This is hurting you. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. It's just like, so anger mm-hmm. often isn't mm-hmm. because the person's just a jerk and they're just an angry person. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, oh... Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a feeling here, mm-hmm. and I may have assisted that feeling <laughs> with my words. Maybe I wasn't careful. Somewhere in there, something happened. Can we backtrack? Mm. Can we understand this a little bit so we can be like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, well, it's not what I meant, mm. or it maybe is, but mm-hmm. my intention wasn't harm. Mm-hmm. And Maybe it is. Intention mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. being hard. Well, that's another story. Mm-hmm. I'd like to <laughs> lean on the one where it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that being able to move through a conversation like that, if you can create that safety in that starting place, oftentimes then there is some kind of invitation to more direction and feedback and reality that way later in the conversation you can almost feel it change and you can see the tenor change where it's like okay we're okay you know what do you really think and that invitation kind of comes and if you're very you know upfront and you're not creating safety in the beginning you might not realize or trust that that will ever come but it does there's an invitation at some point to kind of get more real and once you have that invitation it's so much easier to engage in more direct task oriented discussion Mm -hmm. you have to discipline yourself out of anger Mm -hmm. in a way I don't want to say anger is bad because it has Mm -hmm. its place for sure Mm -hmm. but in the way of feeling like the other person is your enemy Mm -hmm. it's like okay this is first of all not who this person is Mm -hmm. and that's why I was even saying before about why something goes into that feeling of threat Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. is because you perceive mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. in attack mm-hmm. mode mm-hmm. towards you. And if you don't allow yourself that permission, really, mm-hmm. like you're just like, no, I'm not going to look at them as my enemy. I'm going to mm-hmm. see them as my ally. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're coming to the table for the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you have to direct your thoughts mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. way. You have mm-hmm. to discipline yourself from anger. Right. Yeah. And I think if you can see the person differently that would be probably the easiest way in order if you can do it it would be the most genuine way to actually change your reaction to the person if you can shift them from being a threat to being an ally that they're actually wanting to help you that these things are actually meant to be supportive sometimes we can take a frame on a perspective and you can be like oh this person is actually trying to hurt me i remember one time somebody was working for me and they did some overtime and they didn't ask me about the overtime before they did it and I could feel it in myself as a threat when I was thinking about the money that that would cost and they don't know the budget and all those kinds of things and then I thought about it more and I was like well actually everything that they did was trying to hold this organization together and actually fix problems and actually make this better and maybe it was helpful maybe it wasn't but they certainly aren't an enemy in fact they're actually taking time out of their day in order to help this company to actually be better and so it's interesting to change your frame and it can be so radical in how you react to it differently and even if you have an enemy 
who's you know not so ambiguous, like they're pretty clearly harmful, almost all the time, if you were to look at the world through their eyes, their actions make sense. And not that they actually make sense, but through their eyes, through their perspectives, they're trying to be just, they're trying to be helpful. And if you can understand that, it's much easier to relax yourself and try to start there and work from their position. Like speculating the benefit of the doubt Mm. may not be proven. Mm -hmm. They may not have earned it. They may still actually Mm. be Mm -hmm. a person who is, yeah, out to get you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You That does exist, right? You know, yes, for sure. They see you in a certain way and they're out to get you. Unhealthy relationships, relationships that Mm -hmm. need to be Mm -hmm. severed or that Mm -hmm. aren't really relationships. Mm -hmm. They're just people you have to deal with because Mm -hmm. of whatever. Mm -hmm. And then knowing that about them, but mm-hmm. then that place where it's the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. is like, okay, they mm-hmm. haven't proven this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give some kind of a reason so that I can mm-hmm. continue in grace and forgiveness for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that nuts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that yeah. feels a little bit whack yeah. that I'm even saying it. It's like, well, no, yeah. they've proven their track record. Yes. Cut them off. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe yeah. there is some of that, but yeah. then... What am I saying, Cyrus? It suddenly feels a little bit (laughs) weird. Yeah, like I think to actually be able to, like when somebody comes at you and actually sees you in that negative way, one of the things that's often like not considered in these interactions is the possibility that you've actually done something that's painful for this person or maybe even wrong. And that's another thing that, you know, you need to calculate. And oftentimes we see ourselves as positive reasonable all the time and it's not even a possibility that we could have done something hurtful or damaging but oftentimes in social situations when you get into relationships you're put in places whether you recognize them or not where you have to decide to do something where there's going to be benefits and drawbacks for different people in the decision I have to make a decision here and in this decision some people are going to be getting benefits and some people aren't and it makes sense from my perspective but for some of these people who are getting hurt by this decision it doesn't make sense and it's painful so even in the best of situations the best of intentions you can really end up it can be painful for people to be around you sometimes and then of course there's the perception of that so it's like even if somebody's like oh Cyrus you're terrible it's like oh from your perspective that makes sense like for you I'm a terrible person and I could get how I'm a terrible person to you You know, like I can try to understand how I could actually be that Mm. for you. And sometimes you can repair that and sometimes there's no opportunity to. And that's another thing to kind of consider in these conversations is sometimes you're actually somebody else's enemy. They're not your enemy. You're their enemy. Like, and to allow people to have their feelings and their reactions to that can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Mm. That was a really powerful answer. And I'm glad that we took it there because there is accountability Mm. that you can give to yourself Mm -hmm. that also takes the pressure off Mm. and can also release you from hate Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. going down a path that is not going to serve anyone Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. is actually part of the problem Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. you know so cut that off with Mm -hmm. that beautiful piece of advice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then A part of that, too, the backing off, is 
sometimes not speaking, not defending, not mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. being quiet. Yeah. And it's not a cowardly quiet. Mm-hmm. It's a healthy kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, if I was to think of the most common and recommended solution for difficult social situations or problematic behaviors, it's to do nothing. And we don't see it because most of the time when we do nothing, we don't see that calculated decision to do nothing. But that's usually the most common response. If I was to think about all of the problems that I can think of or all of the weaknesses or all of the tension points and all of the relationships that I have right now, with almost all of them, I'm doing nothing. And with some of them, it's like, oh, I think I actually need to take action on that. I think I need to correct this or I need to move that or say this or say that and one of the more common ways to talk about this would be like if you're dealing with a conversation or you're dealing with a child who's done something wrong and you're like should I have a conversation you know if you're going to have to confront something or do something usually you don't you just kind of watch will it happen again will it take care of itself do I have to Mm -hmm. and if you don't take this recommendation and you say no no Cyrus we should talk about everything we should comment on everything then you'll likely be called a micromanager, you'll be called smothering, you know, these are kind of overwhelming interactions, we need to leave room to breathe, so as part of having conversations, even in the midst of a conversation or the decision to have a conversation, there has to be some breath in there. Silence. Yeah, Yeah. some ability to allow things to be, because a lot of these things take care of themselves on their own. Yes, Mm -hmm. and that's also because sometimes with people, Mm -hmm. if it's perhaps even about correction, mm. they are usually already mm. on themselves. Yeah. Self-correcting. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the silence is sometimes better because, mm-hmm. you know, they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Especially if you know they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they have a track record of figuring things out. Yeah. And it's helpful if you can give nudges sometimes to those who mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. have that track record. <laughs> oh, yes. They seem to consistently need a little <laughs> nudge. <laughs> Definitely. And that silence can look like mercy and grace to people who are aware, like, oh, that person probably saw that. I'm glad they didn't say anything, and I'll correct it next Mm -hmm. time. It can look sometimes like you got away with something, but very frequently it's grace and mercy. And that's a wonderful thing to offer people, is trust. And then touching that lightly, if you have to touch it, then you touch it lightly in the first, and you see kind of what's going on. So, yeah, I think that's such an important part of conversations, is silence for the sake of allowing trust Silence for the sake of allowing space for other people. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to allow space for the other person to be themselves, to talk about themselves, to figure something out. And that's important. But another sign of trust, honestly, if you're going to allow somebody to speak and figure out, you're kind of saying, I think you can have a voice. I think you can figure this out for yourself. I think that you can explore this. I know therapists often like therapies that involve more instruction for other people. They like the styles of therapy that are more directive. But when a therapist goes to therapy for themselves, they usually like something that provides more space and they like something less directive. They want to figure out their own problems. But when it's somebody else who's the client, they want to direct them. And that's, I think, true for all of us. And so giving people that trust that I think you can actually have quite a bit of sovereignty over yourself, ability to solve your own problems, Mm -hmm. competence, you know, that's a wonderful thing. Yes, I believe in you. You've Mm -hmm. got this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very strong. Mm-hmm. reassurance is incredible even if you want to say something yes yeah. <laughs> to the contrary right and like i said about evidence versus not evidence if the person shows it or not mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. or not 
-hmm. but they can sometimes with the belief mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they can. So that's sometimes all they need is mm -hmm. the push yeah. mm -hmm. is I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a powerful motivator to say, I believe you can do this. That's a powerful thing to say to somebody. Yeah. What do I do? I believe in you. That's a legitimate you response. You will figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the most powerful response yes. you can give somebody um, is just that belief. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cyrus. Thank you, Marianne. Well, that was an honor to get to spend that time with you. Appreciate you tuning in. Please check out more of Dr. Cyrus at maplecrestchurch.ca and at drcyrusdirksen.com. Thanks again and tune in next time for Bridging the Gap. I'm Marianne Rose. It's only